Hello everybody, this is K5 and I am recording for Hacker Public Radio. I did a quick interview at the Large Installation Systems Administration Conference, LISA 2010, with Rudy Van Drunen, the 2010 conference chairman and active worldwide consultant and networking expert from the Netherlands. And we talked about the past, the present, and the future of IPv6. So please sit back and enjoy this interview with Rudy Van Drunen from LISA 2010. All right, hello everybody. Uh, this is K5. I'm uh, recording from LISA, the Large Installation Systems Administration Conference, 2010. And I have with me um, a very special guest, Rudy Van Drunen, uh, who is uh, something of a networking expert. <laughs> Actually, I'm not sure what exactly you do. Um, in, in your real life, so why don't you start, or why don't we start by you sort of filling us in on on uh, what your day to day life is like? Well, my my day to day life is uh, I'm I'm a consultant. I work for like a rather small consulting firm in the Netherlands. We we have like sixty uh, consultants. We do high profile stuff like uh, enterprise IT for. Large organizations like banks, uh, ISPs, that kind of stuff. Stri- that, strictly in Europe or all over the world? Or? All, all, all over the world where, where we can get consulting jobs, but mainly it's, it's, it's Europe. Okay. Um, so when, when you speak of consulting, that can, that can range from one end to the other. There's a million things you can do as a consultant. Uh, do you do systems, networking, hardware, yeah, well, software, we, the whole we, thing? We, we, ac- we actually work through the whole stack. So we do networking, we do operating systems, we do some middleware products, databases, and we do web application development. So uh, we can actually do the complete stack, and we are mostly focused on the non-Microsoft world. Okay. Uh, does that mean macOS and Linux, or strictly open source? Uh, no, no, no. macOS, uh, Solaris, AAX, Linux, everything. So... Because we are working with large enterprises, they tend to move a little like to the commercial Unix world. So, okay, not not a whole lot of open source there, but they're moving. Right. Um, yeah, you don't hear as much in the big Unix players anymore. With Sun being gone and HPUX and AIX not as big as they used to be, they're kind of a legacy thing now. So everybody, everything, at least to me, seems like it's shifting more. More towards the Linux side, or, or maybe well, BSD. Well, there's there's really really large corporations. They have like uh, sold their soul to either IBM with AAX or or, or Sun or Oracle with Solaris. So they they're they're kind of in the vendor locate and still still run large number of well those platforms. Okay. Well, the reason I wanted to talk to you and uh, get everybody else to listen to uh, us and hopefully find something interesting about this is uh, you, you presented a talk on Monday about um, IPv6 and some of the the upcoming uh, problems and challenges and maybe some of the benefits that we're actually going to see from uh, the eventual change over to IPv6. Now, you and I and everybody knows that IPv6 has been coming for years and years now. It's still not here yet. Um, but... You've, you've uh, actually set 
or you said there were maybe some hard dates on uh, we're actually running out of IPv4 address space. So why don't you go ahead and uh, well, tell us about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 beyond the real soon now stage. Uh, so we we actually we actually approaching the date, and the date will be somewhere within a year from now that the registries, the top level registries like Aaron, like Ryman CC, cannot hand out IPv4 numbers anymore because they are sold out. They're gone. And at that very point there's smaller registries and ISPs that still have numbers. But for large deployments like if if a ISP wants to move into some new technology or, or, or connect like zillions of users at once with like buying a mobile phone service or something like that, then it can't be done with IPv4 anymore because there's no numbers. And so that, that's, that's, coming, that, that's, that's, that's reality. Like a couple of years ago there were, there were people shouting, well, they're, they're running out, they're running out like in the next year, but right now it's it's really true. You can you can like predict when the things run out. And there's prediction that it will be uh, March uh, next year and there's prediction that it will be November next year, but eventually they will run out real soon now. Now in the past it's been the, the idea that we're going to force everything into uh, port address translation to compensate for the fact that we're running out of IP addresses. You don't think that's a solution going forward? Well, that, that's that's absolutely not a solution because uh, you you will introduce all kind of problems there. By there's there's loads of protocols that don't like network address translation and uh, like if if you if you do certain VPN stuff. It just won't work if you do that, or you you run into huge interoperability problems by doing that. And you actually want to communicate one to one, and you want to address each and every device individually. What uh, what what is your assessment of the number of organizations, whether it just in the EU or worldwide, that you're aware of who have actually adopted? IPv6 in any form? Well, there's like, I think uh, but, but, but between the 5 and 10% of the larger organizations are actually running IPv6 one form or the other, either internally or part of the external facing stuff. And it's still it, it's growing because it's it, it's coming on, on on the radar now, and I think that Europe is here miles ahead because actually in Europe there's a real government push to actually do move to IPv6, and Europe and also the Asian world because they're they're upcoming countries, they're upcoming economies. They need numbers. They need people on the net and like uh, for example China they're they're really really growing economy so they need numbers like hell and for those those large 
scale deployments, IPv4 is not an option anymore. From a, from a perspective of an up-and-coming economy or an up-and-coming country, though, they're not stuck with the burden of converting from one to the other. Yeah. They can they can start directly with IPv6 and not be encumbered by the knowledge of what came before. So it's easier for them. So what do you think is the biggest problem for current companies who use IPv4 in the adoption of IPv6? Well, the, the, the real problem is the... Uh, being aware that you need IPv6 to communicate with either your peers or your customers uh, and then actually doing that from the from the outside in like uh, the easy thing is if you have an, a, a web presence convert that to also do IPv6 next to the IPv4 connectivity you have also do IPv6 and then that doesn't mean that you have to renumber everything internally or, or, or move to v6 internally. Just move on your on your co-located machines in your data center that's, that are facing the web. Put them on the IPv6 internet as well. Because there is a day that there's a customer that only has got IPv6 connectivity, only is connected to the IPv6 internet and you want to have them reach you and as easy as possible, not having everything tunneling and then again coming to the IPv4 internet. But if you have presence in the IPv6 world, then you have the competitive advantage, I guess, for, for, for the larger organizations. And yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the transitional thing that you want to check whether your applications are IPv6 ready because it's not only the systems, it's not only the network equipment that needs to be IPv6 capable, but also your applications have to have to be able to work with the larger, uh, longer addresses. They have to be able to actually internally work with those uh, with those numbers. So that's that's the thing and. You can you can just start now to check and, and, and convert and, and set up an IPv6 testbed in your organization to actually go test. Well, how how big do you think the true IPv6 internet is right now? Not very big, I would think. No, it's 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 not very big, but at at that very moment that there's uh, the, the the actual need arises by having people that only have IPv6 connectivity, the IPv6 internet will grow and fast. So if you're if you're ahead of the curve, then you you have the advantage. And for example, there are services right now that only work on IPv6, but it's it's all experimental and it's it, it's it's all uh, just fun to have. Uh, and, and nice to have. And on the other hand, if if the IPv6 traffic is handled in a special way, and, uh, and and you have a special IPv6 cloud, you will get. For example, if if you if you now have IPv6 on your system and you go to dot 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 youtube.com, it will use IPv6, and 
there is in the transit part some companies that have priority on IPv6, so you will get more bandwidth there. So that, that's that's an advantage. Right now, the other advantage is if there's there's new servers that uh, have uh, dedicated IPv6 uh, channels that are not as crowded as uh, as the IPv4 stuff. But right now, it's 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 still it's still coming, and it's it's still a rather small part. And I think it's one or two percent of the internet traffic is IPv6, but that's that's growing fast, and and that's that's growing fast if if the first major organization is going to do that, like. Google is translating stuff to IPv6, and if you have got an IPv6 stack, you'll get onto the IPv6 services at Google, and they're handled differently. So, I'm not aware of, and I I admit that my my world sphere is probably fairly small, but at least in the United States, I'm not aware of any major ISPs, or minor ones for that matter, who are giving IPv6 addresses to customers yet. Now, I understand that your ISP is able to give you IPv6 addresses if you request them. Yeah. Um, so how does that benefit you, and why? when do you think, you know, what, what do you think is going to cause the trigger to when, you know, ISPs like in the U.S. will actually start making IPv6 available to their customers? And, and when that happens, what, what's a, what do you think that will mean for the average end user? Uh, well... Uh, I heard of uh, Comcast is doing experiments on IPv6 and they also have native IPv6 coming into people's homes by using special kind of of, of modems and, and, and starting up that movement. Uh, I in the Netherlands have an ISP that uh, can bring me uh, with uh, Special not the, the the standard uh, customer equipment, but special equipment that you can get from them. Native ISP, uh, native uh, IPv6 to my house, not using tunnels or anything. Uh, so the uh, uh, they're using ADSL. So the ADSL infrastructure between my house and the, the ISP is also all IPv6 ready. But uh, that that's. That's the thing. If you, if you have that, and if you have it configured properly, and, and those boxes, if, if the ISP does a good job, those boxes are pre-configured. Like it's, it's like putting your own router uh, on, on, on your either cable or, or uh, ADSL connection. You won't notice. Uh, you, your machine will get in the... An IPv6 address and an IPv4 address, and where where IPv6 is available on the server side, it will connect to IPv6. So you won't notice, but some some services will will go faster, and some services uh, will be different because IPv6 is different, is handled different on the on, on the server side. And right now, it's it's just get the transition started. Well, the transition seems to be the hardest thing um, right now, and it, and it seems to have been that way for, for some time now, because everyone, like I think I already said, uh, is aware that the IPv6 Internet is coming, because the IPv4 Internet will simply just be full um, sooner than later. 
Um, but if if an ISP, for example, wants to adopt IPv6, at least internally, um, is it viable for them to set up all the IPv6 address space within the company and then at the edge tunnel everything into IPv4? I mean, is that an option while waiting for the IPv6 internet to to bloom, as it were? Yeah, well, it, 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 it depends. Uh, right right now, you if, if you as a company want to have IPv6 presence on the or presence on the IPv6 internet, you can get a tunnel, and you can get a tunnel over IPv4 using different tunnel brokers, and that's pretty easy to set up. And by that, you have presence on the IPv6 internet. You can have your machines configured with IPv6 addresses. You can, well, have your web server. Uh, also uh, talk to IPv6 uh, sites, to IPv6 clients, um, and by and by the next step, you can have your internal machines also uh, getting an IPv6 address because address space in IPv6 world is really cheap and and, and well, there's so many addresses. There's 10 to the power of 30 addresses per person on Earth right now. So it's easy to get address space. It's easy to get complete subnets. And you can put your machines on that. And then they can use the IPv6 internet through that same tunnel that you have over the IPv4 on the, on the external side. So it's, it works both ways. The client can get to the, to the IPv6 internet, but the client on the other side could go to your server, also over the IPv6 internet. And uh, right now, at least in the United States, I believe they're still giving away um, IPv6 subnets if you simply request one. And the subnet that you get is a slash 48. Yeah. And a slash 48 is actually exponentially larger than the entire IPv4 internet. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just, they're just giving it away to anyone who requests one because the IPv6 internet is just so large. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it isn't conceivable that we're going to run out of space on that. So let's, let's talk a little bit about IPv6 security. Mm -hmm. um, what, um, should, is there anything that people need to be concerned about? There are a lot of devices nowadays that come pre-enabled with IPv6 and the average home consumer may not realize that IPv6 is enabled on their devices. Is there a security concern there? Essentially, there's nothing different between IPv4 and IPv6 security. Uh, the only thing is that with IPv4, you probably, if you have a device that talks IPv4, uh, and you're using that in a internal setting, you probably won't have an external routable address. You will be having a, an address that goes through a netbox, network address translation box, such a way that you can go to the outside world, but the outside world cannot, if it's not enabled in that box, get directly to your machine because there's a non-readable address. On the IPv6 world, you'll probably get a just readable, unique address on your box and then if, if there's no 
precautions on, 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 the, on the boundary between the internal and the ex external world, then you can reach the external world, then the external world can even so reach your internal world, because there's no network address translation, so there's, you need to have firewall. Also in IPv4 you need to have a firewall, but with network address translation in place, the outside to the inside thing has another boundary, has, has another threshold, you know? Right. And so it's very important that you also for IPv6 have your firewall configured correctly. And you might set, explicitly set, that the outside is not al allowed to talk to any of these subnets inside. Whereas if you do that in IPv4 and network address translation world, it's implied in the network address translation. Right. So, so, it's, so it's a little easier in the IPv6 world to get direct access yeah, to a machine. Yeah. Um, but is that is that a problem like right now for people who have IPv6 enabled in a computer that they may not realize? Uh, if if they have an IPv6 enabled in their machine and they're still behind that uh, that firewall device, they have an IPv6 internally on their internal network, but they probably don't have IPv6 on their external network. If they go make a tunnel over the IPv4 to bring IPv6 intern in into their internal network, then all their internal network machines that have IPv6 addresses are exposed. So then you have to put your firewall in place and tune that so that no one from the external IPv6 world can pass through that tunnel and get into into your local network. So your, your, your firewalling is there different and well you have to have to tune that differently. But you have to be aware of, 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 of that issue. Right. And everybody should be aware of security and have some kind of firewall regardless yeah. of what system they're running anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. And, 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 and be sure to, to assess your security thing first before just building tunnels and setting things up. And security, you have to, uh, you have to make a plan first and then uh, build it, not just build it and then think, oh, well, we need something to do with security and firewalls, because then you're too late. The bad guys are in. Okay, so let's let's put you on the, on the spot just a little bit. If you had to guess um, a year, what, what year do you think IPv6 will be fully adopted? Uh, what what do you mean with fully adopted? So that every every device that is now on the IPv4 and that is also on the IPv6. Every device is in some way connected to the IPv6 internet, whether or not IPv4 still exists. That that that'll take like three to five years from now, provided that there's a really killer killer app. You. There must be a driving force there, and the driving force could be a killer app that, for example, is peer-to-peer uh, -peer like, because you don't need any difficult uh, things anymore to address that device. You can now talk to with IPv6, talk to and at, at least address any any other end device, not 
the difficult uh, issues that, for example, uh, Skype has to actually address the ad device behind the net thing. So uh, if if people if people actually see the ease of uh, of, of, of using IPv6 for the, those kinds of stuff, then I think within like five years from now. Uh, Every sensible end device will have, oh, well, and every sensible end device that needs to talk to another end device that's on the other, that's on the outside of your parameter, uh, has IP, IPv6. Of course, if if you just run monitoring things in the inside, there's no need for IPv IPv6. You use an IPv4 private private subnet and. If it's still in the company and you, you you have enough IP space there, keep it. Don't move to IPv6 for the internal stuff. If you need your 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 monitoring stuff, your monitoring network or your 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 monitoring temperature of your of your uh, server room and that's connected to your to your monitoring server, keep your IPv4 there because it, it doesn't doesn't need to talk outside. Um, so, I mean, tunneling IPv4 into an IPv6 internet is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. Oh yeah, yeah. There's 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 two things you, you can you can like uh, tunnel IPv6 through the IPv4 internet, but the other way around, it's it's also possible. And there's there's tricks to do that if you have only IPv6. Like now you have got out. Only IPv4, and you probably don't have IPv6 natively, so you make you make a tunnel over the IPv4 internet. But on the other way around, if you have only have IPv6 and you don't have natively IPv4, you can do tunneling and that and get your packet out and pack it in. But that's that's not a preferred situation. But that that's a transitional thing until the services all have IPv6 addresses. Well, that makes perfect sense. And um, one of the last things I, I guess we probably should touch on is I, I think a lot of people may think that this, this migration is at least fairly scary. Um, maybe people think that uh, they don't understand IPv6 or that it's hard. Um, I know, for one, I'm, I'm like that. And uh, at least listening to your talk on Monday, um, I got a better understanding of that it's it's not that actually it's not that difficult to migrate from one to the other, and in fact IPv6 has some neat tricks in it that, that make it pretty easy to migrate a, a particular device. Um, but if somebody were looking for information uh, on the migration from IPv4 to IPv6 or just on IPv6 in general to to get more information about it to uh, bring the the worry factor down, where where do you think that where would be a good place to go? Well, there, there's there, there's there's a couple. Well, there, there's there's a whole lot of good resources on the net that actually explain how IPv6 works, and also explain how to get you on the IPv6 internet. And I think that's that's the easy thing to start with. Just go and explore it on the net, and then see if there there's there's zillions of recipes to build a tunnel. And to go play with it, and so there, there, there's a couple of tunnel, couple of them tunnel brokers like Hurricane Electric here in the states, 
and Six Success, which is a global uh, non-profit tunnel broker, will get you a, a slash 48 and a tunnel to the IPv6 internet, and then just go play. Uh, and if if you if you have the feeling that you know how it kind of works, uh, what you need to do, then make a plan for your organization how to do the, the different steps. So uh, there's a lot of steps that you have to take uh, because it's not only connecting the network layer, it's also the application layer that probably has to be adapted. But there's also recipes for that and only if you have a special home-written application you might go talk to the developers to, to, to have that IPv6 enable or just test it whether it, it, it works uh, but it's it, it there's there's loads of information on that there's loads of information uh, in books and it's it's not that difficult to get to get it up and running and uh, you have don't have to be scared by the huge addresses the, the huge numberings and, and, and the IP numbers that that are much bigger and you can't uh, know them by heart anymore so that's don't let them that scare you off and just just go play and, and, and get a tunnel and get your stuff running on the IPv6 and right now there's there's so much information uh, to get you started right away well that sounds good I think I may go ahead and try that myself uh, at least play around on the IPv6 internet because I know all of my Linux devices have it enabled by default and uh, it might be interesting to see how things work and I, I you told go ahead and tell us about the turtle <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah there, there's there, there's there's this site that dot 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 came dot net which is a very old site and there's uh, that site you that, that one was one of the first sites that was on the IPv6 internet and that has a turtle and if you go go to that site and just do that now you'll see a static turtle and if you go with IPv6 the turtle will be dancing so that's the incentive to get your IPv6 to actually see the turtle dancing and then there's there's a whole lot of other sites that have those same tricky things with IPv6 look different and, and do different things but that's that's like the first one that actually had the change between IPv6 visible and so why do, why are you doing IPv6? Well, I want to see the turtle to dance. <laughs> uh, what was? Can you spell the site? Uh, yeah, dot 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 came. That's k a m e dot net. Okay. All right. Well, I think everybody needs to go out, try the IPv6 internet and uh, go see the turtle dance. Yeah. So uh, I really appreciate it, and thank you very much, Rudy, for uh, spending some time with us here. Okay, you're welcome. All right. And uh, everybody, this has been K5, broadcasting from LISA 2010, the Large Installation Systems Administration Conference in uh, San Jose. And I uh, hope everybody enjoyed this little talk with uh, Rudy Van Drunen about IPv6. 
Um, and thanks again to Hacker Public Radio for getting this, uh, getting this information out to the community. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.